If you have your Bibles, you probably can't see them anyway, can you? All right, if you have the whole Bible memorized, just, uh, just maybe look down in the dark or something. But uh, let me read you about two or three verses, and I'm going to read one verse from the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter number 7. Isaiah chapter number 7, and thank you for that. All right, all the way to the edge, all the way to the edge. There you go. Perfect. Great. Isaiah chapter number 7, and if you have a cell phone, if you'd be so kind to, to turn it off or maybe put it on uh, vibrate, that would be a blessing. We'll be out right on time. Uh, Santa and his reindeer are supposed to pass over right as soon as we get out, so we should be fine. 7-Eleven just texted me, men, they're extending hours, so you can do most of your shopping. They'll be open till 7 tonight. And that's just an announcement for the men. Isn't that right, ladies? Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can't get it all at one store, you shouldn't go shopping. And so, uh, but Isaiah chapter 7, I love this. People always ask God for signs. Maybe you've heard someone say, well, I asked God for a sign if he was really real. Well, here's what he says in Isaiah 7. He says, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. In the Old Testament, it's spelled with an I. In the New Testament, it's spelled with an E, but it's the same name. It means God with us. And then I want to look down just for a moment in the book of Luke, and I want to read uh, part of this passage, Luke chapter 2, and looking down into verse uh, number, here it is, Luke Chapter number 2 and verse number 10. And here's what it says. And I want to say this before I read this. In the newspaper this week, we learned that North Korea has canceled Christmas. Their, their, their communist leader, the, the, uh, what he calls himself, the sovereign, the great, the, the, the almighty one, has canceled Christmas. Doesn't want his people to have anything to do with the Bible or Christianity or, or the Christmas story. Then I heard that activists who have escaped North Korea have rallied together and they've put together bottles with little USB, I guess that's what you call them, little zip, zip something with the Bible on it and the Christmas story and then enough rice to feed a family for four weeks in a bottle and they've thrown thousands of these bottles in the ocean, hoping that they'll wash ashore. You know, you can try to cut off the light of Jesus Christ, and you just can't do it. You just can't do it. In Bethlehem, where our group was last January on our Israel trip, they also have canceled Christmas. It is not legal to have any celebration of Christmas this year in Bethlehem. I'm just grateful that here in America and in Napa tonight, we have the freedom to celebrate our Lord's birth. We don't have to do it underground, though we are doing it kind of in the dark tonight, huh? And, but I'm glad. We, we can shout it on the hilltops. We can shout it outside. We can text it. Thank God for the freedom we have in this great country. So it says in Luke chapter number 2 and verse 10, it says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And here's that statement. 
And this shall be a sign unto you. Old Testament, a virgin would conceive. New Testament, this shall be a sign. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now that's no miracle there. Many of the babies were wrapped in swaddling clothes in Jewish days. But here's the catch. Lying in a manger, in a trough. You didn't see that every day. That would be the sign to the shepherds. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen it, they made abroad, made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. I want to speak this evening on, for just a few moments on the answer is in the manger. It's the answer for a cold heart. It's the answer for a backslidden life. It's the answer for a grieving spirit. It's the answer for disappointment. It's the answer for disillusionment. The answer to every need we have is found in that manger. I want to say by introduction, as we look at the Christmas story for a moment, I want to say this, surrounding Mary, Joseph, their families, the baby, one, what a cousin. You say, what? What a cousin. It was Elizabeth who would birth John the Baptist, an older woman. So how old is that, ladies? An older woman. 120, okay. Uh, it, it wasn't 30. 30's old when you're 20 and 40's old when you're 30. And, and no woman likes to be called an old woman. Uh, you know you're old when a Boy Scout helps you across the street and you didn't ask him to, you know. But, but here it is. Her older cousin conceived and she was going to have a child, John the Baptist. And I love it. When Mary found out she had the Christ child inside of her, she made haste and went to her cousin. She had a godly cousin. She had someone spiritual she could confide in. Someone who would be glad at hearing the good news that Christ was coming. And I love it. It said that when, when Mary announced the Christ child was inside of her, John the Baptist inside of Elizabeth leaped for joy. That little unborn baby, not a fetus, but an unborn baby had an emotion. He heard, he understood, and leaped inside of his mother. And she said, he has leaped with joy. And that's recorded in God's word. Uh, what a cousin. She had a great cousin. And I want to say this, what a couple. Mary was not just some 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old young girl. She was a spiritual woman. All throughout the book of Matthew, excuse me, Luke chapter 1, she is told that the Christ child will be born in her. And she says, how can this thing be, seeing I know not a man? In other words, I am a virgin. I've saved myself from my wedding day. How can this happen? Uh, she was not only a virgin, but she was a spiritual woman. All throughout that passage, she keeps saying, he hath uh, 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 used his servant. He hath done great things. He hath magnified his name. 
And all she talks about is he and then later on me. She had a relationship with God long before the angel appeared to her. And then she said, I rejoice in God. And here's the two words, my savior. Even the Virgin Mary, the mother of the Christ child needed a savior. She was not perfect. None of us are perfect. She needed the Christ child to grow up and die to pay for her sins as well. And what a woman. And here's what she said. Knowing this would cost her her good name, knowing she would never have a bridal shower, knowing she would be the gossip of all over Bethlehem, later on Nazareth, and then Jerusalem, she said, so be it unto me. If this is God's plan for my life, bring it on. That's basically what she was saying. What a woman. What a godly woman. What an example for womanhood. Then I want to say this. Let's hear it for Joseph too. You know, again, I said it this morning, equal rights amendment. There are no equal rights for the men in the Bible. Well, at least Joseph. Joseph, we only hear one word from him when he named Jesus. And he said, his name, what is it? Jesus. That's all we know he ever said publicly or out loud, the name Jesus. But what about Joseph? When he first heard or he thought Mary was unfaithful to him, It said he thought about putting her away privately. Privately. He said, I don't want a scandal. I don't want to ruin her. I don't want the citizens to pick up stones and stone her. He was not going to play the victim card and say, oh, woe is me. My girlfriend's been unfaithful to me. How can this happen? He didn't post it on the next door app. I guess you don't do that, do you? If your girlfriend's unfaithful, you put it on next door. Uh, He didn't post it on his blog. He didn't put it on Instagram. He didn't put it public. He said, you know, it's over. and We're just going to privately handle this. We're going to call off the wedding. And uh, you've been unfaithful. It said he wanted to do that. What a good guy. What a a big man. Folks, you're going to have disappointments. You're going to have people let you down. What, how are you going to handle it? Handle it like Joseph did. All right. His heart's been ripped out, torn in two by someone he thought he loved and he was going to spend the rest of his life with. But, but guess what he did? While he pondered, while he thought on these things, the angel appeared and said, hey man, virgin birth, one out of seven billion chance, and it's your fiance. You get to raise the Christ child. And every time the angel said, do this, he did it. He obeyed. What a great couple. What a cousin. What a couple. Then I want to say, what a Christ. What a Christ. The couple's not the star. The cow's not the star. The star is not the star. The wise men, uh, 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 the shepherds, uh, uh, King Herod. It's all about the one who was in that manger. I can only imagine how it must have been that night. Perhaps the two angels still in heaven. You know, there were three we have names for. Lucifer, the devil, kicked out. Then there was Michael. That's a great name. I love that name. And then there was Gabriel. So the two archangels are in heaven. I could just imagine the conversation. Hey, Michael, do you know what's going on today? No, I don't. What's going on today? Jesus is leaving heaven. What? God is leaving heaven. God himself is leaving. 
Where would he go? Is he going to visit the Milky Way or maybe Jupiter? Or where's he going to go? Well, you're not going to believe this, Michael, but he's going to go visit the planet Earth. Are you kidding me? You mean that planet that God made two people and they messed up just, just like that? They, they disobeyed and they were rebels and they ate the fruit and sins cursed them and, and, they, and they won't obey him? Yep, that's where he's going to go. Well, why is Jesus going to the earth? Is he going to destroy them? Maybe just burn up the planet? No, you're really not going to believe this. He's going to go there and be born in a human body. What? God is going to look like these wicked, sinful humans he made? Yes, he is. Well, when he comes, what are they going to do, Gabriel? Are they going to uh, bring out the trumpets and roll out the red carpet? Is, uh, uh, is everyone on the planet going to assemble and worship him? No. He's going to come late at night and hardly anyone's going to know. Really? Well, how's he going to be born? He's going to come inside of a, a, a little Jewish woman named Mary. It's going to be a miracle birth. Will he be born in a palace? Will it be born in Jerusalem or maybe one of the major cities? Oh, no, 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 no. You're not going to believe this. Bethlehem. That rundown, poor city, Bethlehem. Well, will he be born in a five-star resort, a big hospital? Where will he be born? You're not going to believe it. In a manger where cows and sheep eat out of. I don't get it. Why would he do that? He loves those people. It doesn't make any sense. Well, what's going to happen next? He's going to grow up and be a carpenter. And most people will not believe his message. And then one day, they'll nail him to a cross. And his blood will spill out on that cross. And Gabriel says, Michael, is that when we take all the heavenly host of angels and we rescue Jesus and destroy the earth? Oh, no, 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 no. He wants to forgive them. He wants to stay on the cross and not let us rescue him. And then three days later, he's going to raise himself from the dead and walk out of his grave alive. Then he's going to come back to heaven. Great. And leave those people there. No, 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 no. You're really not going to get this. He's going to save their souls and bring those sinners to heaven to live with us. Oh, no. That's called the condescension of Christ. It was a long journey all the way to this earth. From the throne of heaven to a stable in Bethlehem. What a savior. What is the manger for? A manger. You know, you go around Napa, you don't see a lot of mangers. I don't own one. Probably you don't own one either. It was always associated. It was associated with animals. They just put their food in it. Sheep ate out of them. Cows ate out of them. Horses ate out of them. Uh, perhaps pigs ate out of them. It was just a dirty place that had grain and food. That's what it was. A place for hungry animals. Get this. Bethlehem means house of bread. Jesus called himself, I am the bread of life. So the bread of life lay in a manger where a hungry world could be fed and could be satisfied. The problem with our world today, folks, in America, they're hungry. 
There's something they're missing. They're hungry for peace, hungry for contentment, hungry for purpose. They are hungering and everything they're participating in is not satisfying them. Another drink, another high, another million dollars, a little bit more fame, a little bit more notoriety, another marriage, another friend, uh, more, more power, and they're still empty. Only Jesus can satisfy the emptiness inside of us. I love the story. You say, why was he uh, born in the manger? Uh, there was no room in the inn. Uh, a church had a nativity program and somehow they put the innkeeper in the story. We don't even know if there was an innkeeper, but I like it. I don't know if there was a cow and a horse and a sheep there, but I like it. So the innkeeper, the boy, his line was this. Mary and Joseph come up. She needs to have the baby. And he says, there is no room in the inn. That was his lines. That was it. And finally, he saw, he saw Mary and Joseph walk in. The play is taking place. And he got so emotional. He said his lines, there is no room in the inn. And then he said, but you can have my room. It just came out. The answer is in the manger. You're never too far away to come to the manger. Never too wise to come to the manger, wise man. You're never too poor to come to the manger, shepherd. You're never too young or a young couple, Mary and Joseph, to come to the manger. You're never too rich, King Herod, to come to the manger. You're never too educated, scribes. You're never too spiritual, angels. Everything we need is in that manger. What do you expect to find, pastor? When you come and pause and you pray and then you praise who's in that manger, what do you expect? I want to give you the four expectations you, you'll see. Number one, you can expect love. Amen. When you come to the manger, God loves you, period. He doesn't love you if you're good. He loves you all the time. He doesn't love you if you're a success. He loves you all the other times. He loves you, period. You cannot earn it. You can never do anything to make him love you more than he does right now. He loves, period. That's called agape love. It's a love without a cause. There's no reason God ought to love any of us. It's a love without a pause. He never stops. And then it's a love without a clause. It's no hidden contract there. You'll, you'll find love. You say, I've never been loved by anybody, Pastor. Oh, yes, you have. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loves you. He loves you, period. He's always loved you. There's never been a time in your life Jesus has not loved you. Number two, something else you'll find is purpose. A lot of people are looking for it. What is life all about? Some of the greatest minds, supposedly, all these earned doctor's degrees that the world reveres as so smart and educated, yet they still don't know what the purpose of life is. Buddha searched for it for eight years trying to find out what is life's purpose. He wanted to be enlightened and tried this and tried this and tried that and still never found the purpose of life. It was Ponce de Leon, look for the fountain of youth. He said, if I can just find that, uh, it'll satisfy me. Uh, it was Cortez that said, if I can just have all the gold, uh, 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 I'll be satisfied. Yet it was not purpose. Why are you here? You're here for God to save. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the purpose for your life, for you to accept Christ personally as your Savior. What is your purpose? 
to serve. Serving people are happy people. Get this, folks. The Bible says up in heaven, and we shall rule and reign with him forever and ever. And it says, and his servants shall serve him. You know, the cool thing about serving God later on after this life is we never get tired. Man, I love serving the Lord. I love serving people, but I get tired. Okay, I'm good. You know, I can't wait till all of you are old people kicking your cane out. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. But the purpose is to save us, is for us to serve him, and then for us to glorify him. Any good that ever comes out of our lives We ought to always pause and say thank you to the people and then look up and say, but it's really all because of God. It's the grace of God that you're in America tonight and not in North Korea. It's the grace of God you were not influenced by Hamas and born in Gaza and uh, you were one of those Hamas uh, 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 soldiers. Uh, It's just the grace of God. Uh, We're not strapping bombs to ourselves right now in some foreign country learning how to suicide bomb and kill innocent people. We were raised here for the most part. It's the grace of God. Not only that, he wants us, our purpose is to win souls. He wants us to tell everybody the good news of Jesus Christ. He wants everyone to be saved. Yesterday I drove to a house about 19 miles from here. A lady accepted Christ. Last week she came and got baptized. She had a teenage boy. He's about this wide at the shoulders and about this tall. I'm five foot four. He's taller than me. Seventh grade. I told him, I'm going to take a picture and say, I knew you before you went to the NFL. (laughs) And it was yesterday. I got to tell him the wonderful story of Jesus' love. I got to explain why the manger happened. And that young man bowed his head right there at the kitchen table. His mother came right there next to him. And he prayed and accepted Christ as his Savior. That's the purpose in life. For him, that was the purpose in life. For me, go tell the good news. The shepherds looked in the manger and it said, and they spread abroad all that they saw and heard. That's our job, folks. That's our job as a church, not just the pastor's. It's every Christian's job. Go tell everyone. Not everyone's heard. And then number three, quickly. What will you find in the manger? Esteem. Esteem. You know, I used to think years ago, humility was just staring at your feet when you stood around people. No, that's, that's a crick in your neck. That's what that is. What, what, what is esteem? Esteem is realizing you are somebody, not because of you, but because of him. You're a child of the king. You're a son of the living God. You have eternal life in you. Blood was shed. The blood of God was shed for you. He's got a plan. He's got the hairs of your head counted. He knows all about you. Every tear is numbered you've ever shed. That's what makes you important. We ought to be able to leave with our heads up high in a proper way and say, I'm a child of God. Man, I'm somebody because of him. One person said, my dad's the governor. Well, that's good. Someone else said, my dad's the president. Someone says, wow. And someone else said, my father is God. You can't get any more ultimate than that. And then I want to say this last. When you look in the manger, you're going to find light. I'm not all into seasons. I went to school in Louisiana. We didn't, we didn't, we were 50th in education. Let's put it that way. 50th. 
We'd have been 51st if, there, if Puerto Rico was a state. We didn't, we didn't learn a lot of these things about seasons. So some of this I'm just starting to learn, but I did hear what the solstice is. So December 21st, the darkest, that, you know, the fall, it's been getting darker, less and less light, darker and darker and sleepy. No, darker and darker. And so the darkest day, supposedly, less, less amount of light was the 21st of December, almost the birthday of Christ. After that day, every day incrementally, I can't say that word again, is going to get lighter and light more and more and more light. So what's that got to do with Jesus Christ? In Jesus' day, it was a very dark day. King Herod, who was a psychopath, ruled. He had anyone killed he thought may try to take over his throne, like sons, like brothers, like mother. And he's the one, when he thought, oh, there's a king in Bethlehem, I'll kill all the children. Just a very evil man. It was a dark day. They had to travel. Here's this young couple just, just about to get married. They're engaged, going to get married. Now they're taxed. Not only, uh, they can't just mail it. They had to go in person and they had to see that It was dark days. They were, Israel was looking for the Messiah. When is the Son of God coming? We've been waiting for thousands of years. It was a dark day. And then Jesus came. In John chapter 1, there is no lineage of Jesus, but it says this. John came to bear witness of the light. Light gives life. Light gives security. Light gives guidance. Light gives growth. Tonight, some of you came, oh, this is cool, a candle. One little candle. Oh, this is beautiful. Light is beautiful. The Bible is called the light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. You're going through dark days. Spoke to someone this week, and the doctor said, you need to come in. Looks like you have cancer. Holiday season, everything's great. One phone call. It's dark for them. I was at a funeral of a friend this week. Flew all the way to Tennessee. I've loved him for 10 years. He's now in heaven. Dark days for that family. But I want to say this. When Jesus, right before Jesus came, it didn't get any darker than that. And then the light came. Whatever your dark days are right now, Hey, December 21st is past. Every day, brighter and brighter and brighter with Jesus Christ. He's the light. I recommend him to you. This busy season, take a moment, pause at the manger. Who's in there that you need? He'll meet every need that you have. Emotional, domestic, that's the answer for a struggling marriage. It's the one in the manger. Uh, that's the answer for addiction. It's the one in the manger. That's the answer for every issue, every broken heart, every bit of grief, every guidance we need. He's the answer. It's Jesus. 
You don't need more counseling. You need more time at the manger. He's the answer.